Coming to you on some serious tape delay via a podcast near you. From that hockey hotbed of San Jose, California, it's Dudes on Hockey. He is now accepting callers. He is calling me Dude. And now your hosts, Mike and Doug. Hey there, and welcome to the Dudes on Hockey podcast. I'm Mike, that's Doug. Dude, I think I saw a black cat just walk across the back of your FaceTime screen. Is that good luck for the podcast, dude? I believe it is good luck, dude, given what's happened the last couple games here. So if the Sharks win the Cup, what happens to that cat? Uh, I think they serve it for dinner that night. Dude! Oh. No. No? You 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 don't eat the good luck cat, dude. Do they drop the cat, like, from the top of the tank, like, with the shark's head? You stuff it and mount it in the, mount it in the dressing room? How about, like, S- Spider-Man the Musical, dude? When we saw that, you just start dropping the cat, and then the cable snaps, and it just falls to the ground. <laughs> Brutal. Dude, that cat, great story, but not the best story of the last couple of days. The best story is sharks up 2 nothing. Sharks winning two straight at home to open the series against Nashville. And they go into the Predators' home arena with a 2 nothing lead in this series, dude. And you got to feel good about how the Sharks came out of the shoot here after having kind of a long layoff. That's right. Certainly the it was the rust versus rest and that whole sort of tired storyline that we've heard about a million times before. And there, at least in the first period of game one, it seemed like there was some truth to that. The Sharks definitely looked flat early in the game. They did not seem like they could, they were hanging very well with the Predators. There was a lot of defensive zone time. But the Sharks slowly turned it around. They they, they slowly got their legs or, or whatever it was. And they slowly turned the game around. They played better in the second period. And then they put up a million goals in the third. They they went down one nothing. I think a lot of Sharks fans got very nervous at that point. I know I did. I had I had talked probably overly so how I was worried about how Pecorine was the type of goaltender that could take this series. He made a number of excellent saves in game one that had me worried he was gaining that confidence and the Sharks maybe were trying too hard. You see that sometimes where they, they give up shots in order to try and make some tricky pass in order to to get a, a really good shot on net and they end up losing a scoring chance and and the sharks managed to to break the cycle and scored a ton of goals in the third period and, and pull away a number of them of course empty net but i think that third period when we look back at this series if the sharks are triumphant we're gonna we're gonna point to the third period and say that was the point at which i i think the sharks started to believe yeah, they, they just flat out dominated them in that third period and they were kind of toying with Nashville at times. And, you know, even though um, Nashville pulled the goalie and made it 3-2 and the Sharks put in two empty netters, I mean, the, the, the score really for was, was th- they scored three goals in this third period and the Sharks just had them on the ropes, dude. That Couture line has been pretty flat out dominant. And Philip Forsberg's having a nightmare series so far. Uh, that guy has has looked bad. James Neal looks very frustrated. They don't seem to really have an answer. Mike Ribeiro, no bueno, dude. Is he even playing? 
he's getting used. Yeah. So, um, the Sharks going out of game one certainly had to feel good. Uh, you like how that game ended, right? With uh, one of the Nashville players wanted a little piece of Roman Polak. Roman Polak saying, "Are you sure you want to do that?" Yeah. Are you sure? He wasn't really yeah. in the center of it, but there was there was a, a a period of time where Roman Polak had squared off with another player. I I didn't I couldn't pick up the name off the jersey. Uh, and it was at the far corner of the ice from where I was sitting. And he was just sort of holding him down on the ice. And, and the guy just sort of kept trying to get up and take a piece of Roman Polak. And I could sort of, I could sort of imagine Polak saying to this guy, are you sure this is, <laughs> this is what you want? I, th- I, uh, think that, that- I think that takes me back to a, a famous uh, Mark Bell story that we've told on this podcast before, I think, one time. <laughs> Where Mark Bell was, I think I can't remember if he was playing for the Sharks or playing for another team, and I think a rookie tried to make a run at him either either in a in a preseason game or early in the season. And at least the story goes, and I hope it's not apocryphal. I hope it's real that this guy says we're going, and Mark Bell says, "Are you sure?" <laughs> and then I believe Mark Bell actually broke the other guy's face with his fist during that fight. <laughs> And the way Polak was sort of throwing this guy around like a rag doll, I, I imagine the same sort of conversation was was happening. Polak, I think, eats staples for breakfast. I mean, that guy is one tough dude, dude. And, and I'm more impressed by him every game. I think, you know, at, as the Sharks continue down this road and we hope it will continue to be successful of course they need to win two more games in this series they have five opportunities to do that um but Polak has been a very savvy pickup as has Nick Spalling and we mentioned this in the last uh podcast as we recapped round one but the new additions to this team have really transformed the feeling of this roster it's calmer there's not a lot of panic and when things aren't going their way, you don't see them. We don't see the look of fear in their eyes that Drew Doughty so loves to describe. Right. And I think it even comes from higher up. I think it comes partly from Peter DeBoer. The idea that the Sharks would be sort of worked the way they were in, actually in game two. Um, you know, the Sharks looked pretty good early in the first and then Nashville sort of took the game over before the sharks scored the 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 breaker you know later on you know the sharks were not playing well at that point nashville had a lot more time with the puck it looked like the sharks were playing the shift in their zone getting it to center dumping it in and changing for for minutes and minutes at a time and i think in the tom mcclellan era we would have started seeing the deck get shuffled we would have seen patrick marlowe playing with joe thorne we would have say you know, Nick Spalling in goal and Martin Jones playing D with Melker Carlson. I mean, it would have been, it would have been, you know, a, a shift of sort of epic proportions. And I think we saw very little change in the lineup. And we saw the fourth line out there still in all situations. I, I distinctly remember them seeing it was a tied one to one and it was seven minutes left in the game. And I was watching Chris Tierney and Nick Spalling out on the ice. Well, Chris Tierney had the most time on the penalty kill in game two, over two minutes, I think two and a half minutes. He led all forwards. And 
for both of the games in this series, every single player on the Sharks roster has played 10-plus minutes in every game, which we know that was not the case in the Tom McClellan era, where there would be guys forwards, especially that fourth line, they would play three, four minutes, and he would just run the big guys into the ground. Right. And DeBoer clearly trusts this roster more than McClellan trusted his past rosters as a whole. Maybe this is a better roster. Um, we could go up and down and debate that, I suppose. But I think we're seeing the fruit of that, dude. The fruit of you know everybody playing, not seeing you know Thornton, Pavelski, Couture, those guys just be run into the ground on every special team situation and double shifting them. You know when the game gets tight. You know DeBoer trusts these role players, and they, you know why? I mean, you think he's got like a second line right now that's probably better than the first line. With Joel Ward, Don Skoy, and Couture, they are having their way with Nashville. Yeah, and I I'm I might look at some some uh some you know shift charts in a minute to see who's facing who, but that, that could be a function of sort of the reverse equation on Nashville. If we look at Nashville's time on ice, it is almost the opposite. Is the it is the opposite of balanced we see Shea Weber and Roman Josie each with over 27 minutes of ice time. We see Batetto, Gostad, Barrett Jackman barely over 10 minutes, Salamaki and Sissons all under 10 minutes. They are, they are heavily playing certain players and they are really avoiding others. They're playing Eckholm and Ellis a ton, and they're playing Batetto and Jackman hardly at all. So they're playing 4D essentially and three, and three forward lines at this point. That's really sort of what they're playing, and I think, you know, I think that might come back and bite them, especially since they played a seven-game series already. Yeah. Well, we'll see if they're able to, you know, this team, Nashville, clearly in the first two games, the Sharks have had the lead. They've scored late in both games. They're not going to go away under Peter LaViolette. This team is well-coached. They've got a lot of fight in them. This franchise is used to being the underdog over and over and over again. Um as we head into Nashville, you know, we've got some tough, tough games here. It's not going to be easy for the Sharks to walk in there and just sweep, dude. Uh, before we get into a preview of game three, you know, I just wanted to talk about a few things that happened in the first two games, dude. Um, what was your feeling when you saw Mark Edward Vlasic take that puck off the visor? Here we go again. <laughs> Famously missing out of the the ill-fated series against LA two years ago, you, you see Shea Weber take a shot and then someone drop like a rock. Uh, that, that doesn't feel so good, but thank God for that visor, right? They were talking about it on the radio on the way home where um, they were speculating that, that that could have been, if there was no visor, a career-threatening eye injury, they were speculating. I mean, the way or where that was ticketed. Right. Um, I haven't gone back and watched it, but you know that that's got to be a frightening moment for Vlasic. Who I don't think even missed a shift, dude. Yeah, it, it, yeah. If it, he may. I, I think he looked a little weird the second the next shift out, but uh, you know he. But he, he just took a 120 mile slap shot into the face. Seriously, it's crazy. It's crazy. But at least he at least he went back to the correct bench. Yeah, which is more than we could say for Roman Josie. Is yeah. that maybe one of the funniest things you've seen 
in in game action. I've ever. never seen that before, and I know a lot of other people <laughs> said the same thing. I mean, Roman Josie basically jumped onto the Sharks bench during a chain a late change in order to try to avoid a too many men penalty. He was unable to avoid it, so the Sharks run on the power play. Did they score? They scored on that power play. They 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 did. Yeah, so that's <laughs> pretty, funny. pretty funny. Yeah, that that was good stuff, dude. Um. Any other things from these first two games, dude? Dude, I wanted to follow up with the, with the time on ice. So I'm just looking at, at Weber's um, matchups here. At least in, I'm going to look at game two here. Uh, so it, it certainly looks like Weber was playing more against Pavelski, Thornton, and Hurdle than he was uh, against Couture and Ward and Donskoy, and basically not at all against Marlowe and uh, you know the third line, Carlson, and so on. So I, you know, that that's clearly Weber and Josie are playing minutes, big minutes in all situations, and I think they're they're trying to get them against the top two lines, but more the top line than the second line. And I think those matchups where Couture is not up against Josie and Weber, where he's up against uh, he's up against Ellis and Eckholm, I think those are the. Those are the times where the Sharks have some distinct advantages, and and those are the kinds of situations where they're taking, where they're doing well. And also, Weber is is actually not playing that much against Brent Burns and Paul Martin. It seems like he's playing more against Braun and Vlasic. Which, you know, given the fact that the Sharks are home and they have the last change, maybe more a function of Peter DeBoer, we might be interested to see what happens when Peter Laviolette has the last change in games three and four, where he chooses to put Weber and Josie out. Um, you know, if he wants to put those guys out there against, you know, the top defensive pairing in Vlasic and, and Braun, or does he want to try and stifle Brent Burns? But very few people have been able to stifle Brent Burns. He's got 11 points. Yeah, second leading scorer in the entire NHL playoffs, dude. I mean, I think as we're looking ahead to game game three, you know, the Sharks have the second, fourth, and fifth leading scorers in the entire playoffs in Burns, Pavelski, and Couture. And the Predators' leading scorer is Colin Wilson, I think had 24 points the entire season, dude. So, you know, when he's your leading scorer and Johansson, he's, he's got three points in the first two games, dude, but Forsberg's done nothing. I mean, he's done nothing. Ribeiro, nothing. Uh, James Neal, you know, just, he has looked visibly frustrated multiple times. Uh, their best, best players, because they're not as deep as the sharks are going to have to find a way to step up. If they're going to get back into the series, and, you know, you, you can't help but feel the, the Sharks take game three. I mean, this this could be over fast. Yeah. And and just to follow up on that, you know, not to go too far, but Vlasic is definitely being played against Neil and Johansson. That's where his biggest minutes are coming from, those two mm-hmm. guys. So Braun and Vlasic are targeting Neil and Johansson. We'll see if Nashville tries to get away from that in game three. But that seems to be a, a working recipe at this point. And uh, I, I like, you know, it seems to be, it seems to be working out. I mean, this is a team. I'm trying not to get too optimistic, but this is a team. I know we said it last week, and I guess I'm repeating myself again. But this is a team that can close, dude. This is a team that can close games, and even when it doesn't look so good, they they sort of don't look so great in game two. They score one goal. They give up the tying goal. It looks like it's going to overtime. Nope. Joe Pavelski finds an open. Open puck off a off a rebound and slides it under Shea Weber diving for it and the Sharks are up two one and that's the game essentially you know empty net and and a goal with four seconds left notwithstanding but 
the Sharks are closers. <laughs> they look like closers. And you see pundits are jumping on the bandwagon in droves. I'm like reading these other sites, you know, and everyone's like, oh, I'm on board with the Sharks now. I'm on board with the Sharks, you know. that's It's kind of funny. It is, dude. I mean, you know, if we could go back and listen to our own podcast halfway through the year, you know, I don't think we would have expected to be sitting in this position where, you know, honestly, if we lose this series at this point, I'm going to be very deeply disappointed and and surprised. You know, and, and I mean, there's a, there's a long way to go. I know that. And Nashville is a tough place to play. And could the Predators win both these games at home? Sure. But I don't expect it. And I think the Sharks, you know, they come away with a split. They're in a great spot. And the way they've played at home, the way they've answered the bell, dude, the Sharks have an opportunity to try and, and get out of this series in five games. And, and that, again, would be a big win because that Dallas-St. Louis series smells like seven. Like, that reeks of seven. Yeah, I agree. And one already went to overtime and and all that kind of stuff. So, that, yeah, I would love to see that series go long. That would be wonderful. Dallas already has goalie trouble. See, Auntie Niemi went in because <laughs> was pulled for for Auntie Niemi now playing. So, you know they they got they got issues. There's there's plenty it's, of issues. It's so hard, dude. I'm having a hard time with this, and I'm trying to keep myself in check. But it's like we said last week, dude. I can't help but think, why not? Like, why? I'm trying to give myself a reason, like why this can't be the year that they actually make it to the finals. Like right. that this could be the year and this could be the team with just the right recipe, dude. And the right coach and the right time that DeBoer bump, dude, we joked about it at the beginning of the year. The DeBoer bump, is it real? Is it a real thing? <laughs> We're about to find out. <laughs> I mean, the Sharks are in just an awesome position to win this series again, win, win a series quickly. You know, I, I'm sure... I haven't seen too many stories about it, but I certainly remember at the time it was happening, there was plenty of talk about how the Sharks beat Nashville two years in a row in five games. I'm I'm waiting for that storyline to get trotted out. I've heard it only mentioned in passing, but the Sharks win their game. I'm going to see, we're going to see that trotted out and and maybe we can get a little bit in their heads. You know, I mean, obviously they have a lot of different personnel, you know, it's not the David Legwand Nashville Predators anymore. The, the Barry Trotz National Predators, but still, I mean, there's some pretty important players that are still there, you know. Maybe maybe uh, it might infect the team, although, you know, I, if, if I had to pick only 10 players in the NHL, one of them would be Shea Weber. So, you know, that you can't count that guy out. That guy's a gamer. Dude, I don't know what else to say, you know. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I think... to, I, I'm with you, dude. I'm trying not to get too high. I'd love to see the Sharks have a great road effort in Game 3 and see where this goes. You know, that's, that's what I'm looking for, and I have absolutely no reason to believe that they can't do it again. Why can't they do it again? They're playing balanced hockey. They're playing patient hockey. They're closing games out. They're scoring in the third period. Their best players are the best. We were worried about Joe Thornton and, and, and Joe Pavelski not stepping up and scoring all the goals. Well, they haven't scored all the goals, and the Sharks are still rolling. Try yep. not to get too excited. 
trying. Well, we'll keep ourselves in check here for a moment, dude. Let's talk a little just general NHL news, dude. Yep. Toronto Maple Leafs get the top pick in the draft. The streak ends for the Edmonton Oilers and Todd McClellan. Dude, Leafs. Austin Le- Matthews. Leafs get Austin Matthews. He's going to look great with Stamkos. That that seems to be the situation. We'll see if Stamkos goes up there. I, I'm I'm confused as to why he would want to go up there. I, there's got to be 29 other teams that would want to pay him basically almost the max salary. Why you would go to Toronto for a team that, you know, as of the draft day, will have one guaranteed great NHL player. Well, not even guaranteed great in Austin Matthews, but basically have no other great NHL players. I don't know why you would want to do that. It's not, dude. I, I have ba- I'm, I have a basketball analogy. It's sort of like Luke Walton going to the Lakers, dude. Why would no. you do that? Why oh. would you do that? Money. <laughs> I guess. I guess. Yeah. I mean, and he's a former Laker. I mean, at least that you can kind of make some sense of it. But, um, yeah, Leafs break the string for the Oilers. Boohoo. Um, the other person whose string got broken is Bruce Boudreaux. Shockingly, got fired. <laughs> Yeah, his their record is bad, man. They, how they lost four straight, you know, four straight series. They were up three two and lost the series. That is nasty. That that is hard to run away from. Yeah, I mean, how much more time does Bob Murray deserve down there? I mean, really? I mean, I I think Boudreaux deserves blame for you know he's got a a rap for being a coach that can't get a team over the hump. He's a good regular season coach. You know, you could say maybe the same thing for Todd McClellan. Um, but uh, Bob Murray put together a very flawed roster this year, dude. You know, training for Kevin Bieksa. He basically, you know, traded Boschman and a second for Kevin Bieksa. That's a dumb move. Yep. Yeah, putting the whole defense in the hands <laughs> of Cam Fowler is is probably not the the sweetest move they could have made, especially when they have so many good forwards. You know, they had a forward core that was so frightening. Uh and then they don't back it up with any with enough D to get them get them far in the playoffs. I mean I could see why they want they want a scapegoat. Yeah. Well they found one. Boudreaux uh out of there. Will he find another coaching job this year? Uh, not sure yet. Maybe, maybe, maybe in a team that's not necessarily like a a Stanley Cup contender. You know, if if one of the sort of middling to to lower teams need to make a change, I can see Bruce Bruce Boudreaux going there. He's certainly shown some success, shown the ability to coach Ovechkin and things like that. So, I could. I, I think could he's going to sit out. He should sit out, Bilesma style, collect his money, and Why not? then. Uh, wait for the best opportunity dude and then um are the rumors or not the rumors the uh the discussion of burns back to forward finally dead (laughs) by his norris trophy nominee norris finalist with shea weber and eric carlson i i think burns doesn't have much of a chance of winning but that doesn't matter as far as i'm concerned um he's Clearly in the conversation now, has to be in the conversation for best defenseman in the NHL. Certainly one of the most dynamic offensively, 27 goals as a defenseman in the regular season. It's pretty amazing. And we actually have, a, have an email to this uh, from David, who's from 
uh, who's from England, dude. Sharks Get fan that. in Northern England. Hey, hello, governor. He has a, uh, he has a question. Uh, well, also about another trophy finalist, which we'll talk about in a second. But he says, looking a bit further out, how will the team shape with Burns becoming a superstar? How can the Sharks make cap space for his next contract? David already thinking to the 2017-2018 season. Maybe getting a little ahead of himself, but... Uh, well, we'll have Patrick Marlowe off the books by then, dude, so he'll get a little slice of that pie. I think that's, I think that's very likely, yeah. Well, and also, we'll have to see how Burns does next year, right? So it, there's still a lot of up in the air. Burns still has one more full year. I could see the Sharks uh, beginning that negotiation even this summer and maybe signing an extension the way they did with yeah. Burns when they first traded for him. No? Yeah. There's, yes. There's no, there's no way he's going anywhere. They traded for him. He's a franchise player. Doug Wilson will not let him go away. I, I think you're right. I think they, they will sign him this summer. I don't think he wants to leave either. He's got like a reptile farm here or something. Yeah. I mean, I don't think he wants to go anywhere. I think you could see, you've seen other San Jose players do the same thing. Like they sign, they get their money. They kind of a team friendly deal. Could they have gone out and completely destroyed the market? Probably. But you know, for some of these guys, you know, what's the difference between, you know, a hundred million and a hundred and fifteen million? You know, I mean, like, you know, I'm not a math seriously. major, but that sounds like fifteen million dollars to me. Just You're right, dude. But but would you notice it when you were laying in your bathtub of cash? Probably not. Well, fifteen million makes the bathtub that much deeper. Just saying. Do you want him to leave, dude? You want him to leave? <laughs> no, I'm just saying. Stop talking. You're going to turn down fifteen million dollars, dude? Is that what you're saying? Yes, to stay at the Dudes on Hockey podcast, I would. Nice. I, I admire I admire your loyalty there, dude. You say you would leave? No. Well, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, dude. Oh, the other question uh, uh, David had is, Qu- Jonathan Quick, a Vesna finalist, is this shocking? Based on how he played against the Sharks, yes. But yet, that's not a... It's Jonathan Quick was... Sixth in the league in goals against average. You know, he had a 918 save percentage, which wasn't tops, but I, I could, you know, I, I think that in, in a lot of these uh, kinds of trophies, history matters. Having a body of work helps you. That's why, for instance, you know, Brian Elliott, who had the second best goals against in the league, was not nominated, you know. So the, these kinds of things are, I, you know, I think are factored in and sort of the, the Carlson, not that Carlson isn't a fantastic player and didn't deserve it. A Carlson is sort of gets just the automatic vote, you know, helps those guys. It's kind of hard to break in. There's really sort of like one slot a year per trophy. And I think you could say the same thing about Joe Thorne and the Selkie. It's like Bergeron, automatic. Kopitar, automatic. Okay, who's the third? You know, this year they decided to give it to Kessler and not Jumbo. Yeah. Well, I think the shark should be the gold standard, dude, and Quick should be humiliated. <laughs> yes, I agree. I agree, dude. The other series in the East, dude. What are you making of the other two series that are going on? X Shark Thomas Grice playing well for the Islanders in goal. That series is tied up. The other series also tied up, and there's this controversy about Brooks Orpic. Did you see the hit? Uh, I did not see the hit, but I saw his reaction where he basically said, uh, uh, "I messed up." So. Um, Sounds like he got three games, dude. Did you see the hit? I saw the hit. It looked terrible. I'm, 
I actually think he might have gone off a little light. I think if this was regular season, he would have gotten more for sure. But I know he hasn't been suspended in a while, but like there was no puck around. It was several seconds after the puck was released. You know, the shooter just stopped. And Orpik just came right through him and hit him only in the head. It's just like it's everything bad about, right. about a hit these days. It's late. It's way too high. It's, you know, egregiously targeted. It's like there's nothing good about that hit. He got three games. You know, I hope it hurts the Capitals. They deserve it. I mean, that was a, you know, that's the kind of thing that you don't want in the NHL. And I hope the Penguins win because then you lose uh, the Eastern Conference in, entirely in our bet. And that will make me very happy. It's dude. I mean, uh, Capitals right now have thrown 44 shots on net and they're losing three to one. So, um, not that Brooks Orpic is involved in a lot of shots on net, but they are losing tonight, dude. Um, and Penguins are, are rolling on the other side of the bracket here. Yeah. Yeah. It would sting the Vegas Fed, dude, to lose the Capitals. It would sting a lot, but it won't sting as much. As the only year you'll have anybody left will be the year the Sharks are in the Stanley Cup Finals, dude. You know? And while you will be thrilled, you'll yeah. be thrilled. You will still, there'll be a tiny part of you who'll go, son of a biscuit. Dude. Yeah, there will be a tiny, <laughs> tiny part of me, and it'll be so tiny I won't even be able to spot it. <laughs> dude, well, this week. Is big dude, this all big at this point, but this is really big, dude. I, I just want to give a shout out, met a listener at Sweet Tomatoes. Really? Sweet Tomatoes, delicious Sweet Tomatoes, dude. I, I was at Sweet Tomatoes, and someone came up to me and said, Dude's on hockey? And I said, Boom? I mean, I had like a mouthful of muffin or something. Like, huh? <laughs> no, I didn't say it. Mouth, it was totally cool. Of... He said, He said he liked the podcast, dude, and we talked about, uh, you know the the playoff series, and and it was nice to meet a listener during lunchtime, dude. Your mom was at Sweet Tomatoes, dude. Dude, she's a fan. I heard. Rude. <laughs> was it my mom? Yes, she was at Sweet Tomatoes. Yes. Wow, that's cool. So you felt like a big shot, is what you're telling me. I did. Yeah, I kind of strutted around Sweet Tomatoes. <laughs> <laughs> Give me another muffin. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I I went and emptied all the gumbo. <laughs> I'll take some soft serve, thank you very much. <laughs> I'm not even going to use a cone. <laughs> well, dude, I'm feeling a little giddy because the Sharks are playing as well as I could have possibly hoped against a pretty scrappy national team, and uh, I'm I'm just so thrilled to see them playing like this, and I just. I just hope it continues. But, you know, even if they lose game three, I'm still going to be optimistic. I can't even imagine saying that, but it's true. Yeah, I think the realistic expectation here for, for Sharks fans is is a split. We get a split in Nashville, come home up 3-1, you're in a great spot, and you kill them in front of the home crowd on Saturday night. Hopefully that's sold out. <laughs> Yeah, Sunday there were some empty seats again, dude. You yeah. know, I, I don't, I don't know what it is. You know, I don't know if it's the Warriors kind of stealing the casual fan away from from the Shark Tank, but uh, Sharks fans, we need to get out there because I think this this is a special moment right now, and and I hope that everybody can get out there and support this team, which has a good shot to go way further than 
than we've ever seen here in person. And and if there's listeners who've never been to a playoff game, I cannot encourage it enough. It, there's a, there's a different electricity, a different feeling inside the tank, even with some empty seats. It is palpably different than a regular season. It's worth seeing the extra intensity of a playoff game. Get tickets if you can, if you are able, and go see a game because playoff hockey is is unmistakable and it's it's the best sports live you can experience in my opinion agreed playoff hockey especially i i I wish all of you to witness uh playoff overtime hockey it is just so amazing and you know certainly one of my favorite sharks memories is that jr overtime winner you know with jr having what four points that night scoring in overtime it's just the emotion that comes out of the crowd when something like that happens. Just the huge relief and exultation of the fans. It's just awesome. It's not, there's nothing else like it. Bring a change of shorts, though, for <laughs> yeah. overtime. Bring that. I've, I've learned to pack that. I've learned to pack <laughs> it. All right, dude. Well, I guess we'll probably be back after game four. Uh, game five, yep. will, if, if necessary, will be next Saturday. So hopefully we will be able to broadcast again before that maybe after game five depending on how things go but uh hopefully we will be back and watching uh watching these away games this week and i just expect nothing but good things it's 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 so weird to say since i was so gloom and doom earlier well now you've totally changed that i've totally changed dude i'm driving the bandwagon now nice dude all aboard (laughs) all aboard the stanley cup town (laughs) All right, dude. I will talk to you later. Go Sharks. Go Sharks. Hate the show? Want to get your questions on the air? Email questions at dudesonhockey.com. Dudes on Hockey is not affiliated with the San Jose Sharks organization or the National Hockey League.